Didn't we love it? That was good. Mike, Debbie, Donna, Elizabeth, you guys, thank you so much for leading us in worship and song this morning. And grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. But as you're turning, have you ever heard someone say something like this? So I was talking with Jesus this morning. I heard a word from the Lord. God told me to do this or that. Oh my, what a rich time in church last week. Jesus spoke to me. Jesus talking. Heard a word. God told me he spoke. What does that mean? What does God's voice sound like? How do you know it was God? Couldn't it have been last night's pizza? Jesus talked. I heard a word. God told me he spoke. Is that the slightest bit unsettling to anybody in here except me? Is it the slightest bit confusing to anyone? If you grew up in the church, if you grew up believing in a God who is active in our daily lives, Maybe you've gotten to the point where you don't even think twice when somebody says something like that. Maybe you've even said those things. I know I have. In our responsive prayer earlier in the service, we literally prayed, Jesus, we want to recognize your voice. We want to know your voice. We want to listen to your voice. Most of us prayed that without even thinking. Some of us even prayed it sincerely. If Jesus answered that prayer, what would it look like? What would it sound like? How would we know it was him? I emailed the church leadership this past Wednesday, and I asked them to come ready to share a time in the recent months or years when they have heard from the Lord and how they knew it was from him. I've got a couple of brave souls who are going to share live and in person and one who is not here today. So uh, those that are going to share, go ahead and make your way on up. And we will start by listening to Nathan. Typically, God speaks to me when I'm out doing something physical. Very rarely when I'm sitting or even at church or studying do I hear God speak. One of my favorite things to do this time of year is to prepare my gardens. And over the years, while I've been gardening, I've heard God speak on several occasions. On one occasion that I remember distinctly, I remember God saying, love them. It is my fruit, not yours, referring to the junior high kids who like to steal berries out of my yard. Sometimes I find this really hard to do, especially when I've been anticipating eating that ear of corn that's really big and delicious looking, or eating some berries. But it was God and is God clearly speaking to me today to remind me to love my neighbors just as he has loved me. Another time, I remember I was really struggling in my garden, and I was really struggling personally at that time, too. I distinctly remember God saying to me, you know, your heart is like this soil. And at this time, I was fighting morning glory, which just keeps coming back to my garden and killing things. And while it's pretty, it's, it's really awful to deal with. And our heart is just like dirt. To get the most out of it, you actually have to care for it. And when I don't do proper soul care, it is harder for me to be shaped. In these situations, 
God did not speak in a loud, audible voice that I would have liked, but it was with the constant reminder of his teachings and how we specifically apply those teachings in our life. Thank you, Nathan. Nathan's not here today because he just graduated. Uh, so next time you see him, after three or four years of graduate work, he decided to stay home. And we applaud that. Okay? Colleen, I see you. You responded back saying, I'll share a time. So tell us about a time you heard from the Lord, and how did you know? Okay. Well, my time that I, I mean, I hear from the Lord all the time. And like Nathan, sometimes it's, it's not an audible voice, but I know it's God. And it's often because I wouldn't ask myself to do that, or I would want to refuse to, but I feel like, I, you know, it's something important to do. Um, when I was still working, uh, the, my office mate got up one day, went out of our office into the lobby and collapsed. And I, everybody ran out, you know, to crowd around her. And I got down and, and I was praying for her. And I heard God say, you pray for Teresa. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I am, Lord. He said, no, you pray out loud. And so it was, I, I was hesitant about that, but I did it. I prayed out loud so that everyone could hear it even though I knew God could hear, if when I prayed silently. And I think that that was a, just an important lesson to me, that when God speaks, we need, to, we need to listen. Very good. I also have an answered prayer kind of scenario. Um, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, was studying, going to school in France about this time last year, and I had the privilege of meeting her there, and on her spring break, we went to Italy. That's where she wanted to go, and she made all the travel arrangements. Well, we got on a plane in Paris. We flew to Venice, and by the time we got there, the sun was setting, and pretty soon it was really dark. We had our luggage. We got on a water taxi. We went into the city. They dropped us at the stop that was supposed to be near our hotel, and we could not find the hotel. We bumped our luggage over the dark cobblestone alleyways and finally came to a square where it was sort of dimly lit few people were milling around so I just said out loud God we really need your help and within seconds this middle-aged Italian lady approached us and she didn't speak English we didn't speak Italian but her second language was French and my granddaughter speaks French so she was able to tell her we were looking for our hotel excuse me hotel and she didn't just give us directions. She said, I'll take you there. Mm -hmm. And she took us to the door of our hotel, which was quite a ways away, I'm sure out of her way. And I tried to thank her. I'm sure she didn't understand me, but I said, you know, you were God's, God's help sent to us. And I don't know if she was an angel, but it was definitely God's answer to that prayer. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Elizabeth, tell us a time you've heard from the Lord, and how did you know? So I'll see how good this sounds, so I apologize for the, yes. Um, times when I hear God speaking, um, similar to Colleen, it's usually, usually the Holy Spirit nudging me inside to do something that's outside of my comfort zone, which is many things. Um, when I see someone I don't know, and um, I just feel that Holy Spirit nudging me to go and speak to them and greet them. So that's the main way I hear God's voice. Um, but also, recently, um, God had an answer to prayer, and I heard him speak to me in his answer. Um, 
last summer when we lost our first child, I, you know, questioned so many times why um, God, you know, did that, why he took that child away from us. And um, two weeks ago, well, three weeks ago now, I was teaching a class, and my teacher's aide is um, an Iraqi lady. She's been in the U.S. for seven months, and she's expecting a baby, and she's due at the end of May. And she was very concerned. She was telling me, you know, they, when I came here, they connected me with a hospital, and I have insurance, but I, I'm not used to giving birth in a hospital, and I'm really nervous about giving birth here. And I'm going with a midwife clinic for a home birth, and I told her about it. And um, within the next two days, she had changed her insurance, and the midwife clinic took her in. And she's like, now I don't have to worry about birthing my third child in a new country. And I just remember when I spoke with her, um, I just heard God in my heart say, this is why so that you could be here for her. And um, even though you know nothing about birth, you can at least give her a connection with some people who will really take care of her and love her um, between now and when she births this child. So that's a recent example. Perfect. Thank you. Mike, same question. Well, in order to talk to you about the recent time God spoke to me, I have to go back 31 years. Uh, approximately 31 years ago, I had just gotten fired from my job, uh, a job where I was very, very successful at, um, but because of circumstances, uh, I had been, I'd been let go. And uh, I remember distinctly being in a car crying, because I'd never been fired before. I was, it, it hurt deeply. And uh, God spoke to me and said, uh, why are you upset? He says, I have a better place for you. And uh, before I even went home, if I remember correctly from 31 years, I had enrolled back in school to become a teacher. Um, that was definitely a voice of God talking to me. Now, I want to give you all that information so that I can kind of connect the dots. Um, last year, I was approached and uh, asked to work in Awana with kids. And I have worked most of my adult life with kids. And I said, really? After spending seven hours a day with 40 of them, you want me to come and work some war with them? And, and I wish I could say that it went very smoothly. But I have to say that God, in this case, was a little bit like a telemarketer. He just kept talking to me. He just kept calling and saying, why do you think I made you a teacher in the first place? Mm -hmm. And so finally I relented, um, and it's been a joyous time. Way more of a blessing for me than it has been, I'm sure, for the kids. Uh, so that's when I know that God talked to me. Mm. Very good. Let's see, February of this year, I was at uh, a denominational training in the west side of the state in Warm Beach. It's not warm and it's not a beach. Um, 
But for weeks leading up to that and, and weeks after, I had been, and the leadership had been purposely praying, God, give us your vision for First Church. It's all part of this recalibrate process. Give us your vision. And our trainers through Recalibrate said, if, if your church doesn't have it, just ask. Ask God. He'll give it to you. Uh, he'll, he'll tell you. Just keep asking. So we had been asking daily, and uh, I was out on a, a walk during a break or something, and it wasn't an audible voice. Um, it wasn't even stomach grumbling or anything like that, but just a phrase popped into mind. Something about neighbors and church and, you know, being a neighborhood church you can bring your neighbor to. And stop and like it. Is that the answer? And didn't, you know, know for sure. But it was a phrase that kept coming to mind. So came back and met with the leadership and, and shared that. And we continued to pray over it and, and ultimately whittled down the phrase a little bit and, and are very confident that God gave us a specific vision, a specific direction as to where we should go as a church. And, and it came down to uh, the phrase, to be church for our neighbors. And, of course, we'll unpack that at a later time. Um, but that was, that was a recent time where I, I had thought, you know, I heard from God, but I wasn't quite sure how. And, you know, with each of the people that shared, we each said the phrase, we heard from God, but was it an audible voice or was it more of a sense? I mean, it's, it's one of those. We, we use a phrase like speaking like, like this, and it's still a little bit unclear. You know, I asked, uh, I asked others to share because um, I, I would say that very regularly I'm, I'm hearing from God. And uh, I, I didn't want you guys to think, well, of course James hears from God. He's the pastor. We pay him to do that. That's his job. But there's no way that we would. We sit there on Sundays while he stands up and talks. And I want you to know that is absolutely not true. I fully believe that God can, can and does and will speak to each one of us, each one of us, in a very real way. And yet that way may be different for each one. It may be in a car. It may be in a garden, it, it you know, maybe uh, through kind of the midwife type thing. It's going to look different, but I fully believe God still does speak. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to look at John's account of something Jesus said that dealt a lot with listening to his voice. So let me pray, and then we will jump in. God, we've been praying all along this morning that we want to hear your voice. And yet, even as we pray that, I'm not sure we know what to expect. Um, if you want to speak in an audible voice today, uh, by all means, go ahead. I think that we will be terrified. But uh, if that's what you choose, great. If you want to speak in the still, small whispers, if you want to speak directly to our heart, if you want to speak through a passage of Scripture, however you want to speak, Lord, we ask that you would speak and that we would hear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully by now you found John chapter 10. So let's hear again the passage that we have heard a couple of times. And this is right after, interesting, putting it in context, right after Jesus had healed the man born blind and he had been having a lot of debate with the religious leaders. Actually, the religious leaders were debating with the man and his parents as to how it happened. And the question was, is Jesus from God? And Jesus said in the last verse of chapter 9, he said, If you were blind, he's speaking to the Pharisees, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And then he goes right into this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. 
But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. He said, I tell you of the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming, and he will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he is not their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life and so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded." Now, as you heard this now for the third time, did you catch the parts Jesus was talking about listening and hearing his voice? You see it in verse 3. It says, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Verse 4, he gathers his flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Again, verse 16, they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And though I didn't read all the way, Uh, Verse 27, Jesus says again, My sheep will listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. To recognize his voice, to know his voice, to listen to his voice. Is this still possible today? Yes. Can we still do it today? Yes. What does it look like? We go back to, I don't know for sure. It might look different for different people. It's been a long time since God showed up and spoke through a burning bush, hasn't it? To my knowledge, most of us haven't heard an audible voice like Samuel did when he was trying to sleep. And nobody has stopped me recently and said, on the way to Cheney, a bright light came down in front of me and blinded me and I could not see. And the voice said, this is the one who you are persecuting. Happened to anybody? A lot of crazy things happen when you go to Cheney. Maybe God doesn't still speak like that. Maybe he does still speak like that. We're going to wrestle through what it looks like-ish, but more so potential indicators that it was Jesus talking. You know, the ones who came up and shared, they said, I heard God speak or God spoke to me. And like I mentioned, we don't know if it's last night's pizza or if it's really God. You know, is it Atalano's best burrito or was it Jesus? Nudging us, the Holy Spirit nudging us. So what we're going to look at is what I think this text shows us to be five 
indicators, if you will, that what you're sensing, there's a good chance that it's God. Does that make sense? Five indicators that we can look at. So as you're having time with the Lord, as you're walking, as you're doing whatever, and you sense God talking to you, you can look back on these things and say, oh, maybe it really was. Okay? First is this. When God speaks to us, when Jesus speaks to us, there's intimacy. It stems from an intimacy. We see this in John 14, or John 10, verse 14 and 15. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. They know me, just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. Is there anybody who has ever walked the face of the earth that has a more intimate relationship with God the Father than Jesus the Son? No. And yet he's saying, I know my sheep, and they know me just like that. Now, not only that verse, verse 3, Jesus says, The sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name. He calls them by name. To call somebody by name means that you know them. Thus, there's an intimacy. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been introduced to somebody and uh, forgot their name like immediately? Yeah, it happens to me almost every time. And you know what happens the next time I see them, it's like, hey, champ, how you doing? I I never thought I'd run into you here, bud. Man, boss, it is good to see you again. If I've ever done that to you, I'm sorry. (laughs) It means I forgot your name, okay? And if I remember your name, it means there's an intimacy in the relationship. Now, I often think of the times like, when you, when you are in a deep relationship, you know, a husband-wife type, a parent-child type of relationship, there's intimacy. And, and when you just hear the name being spoke by the other person, you know it's them. The occasional time, I'll go and tuck, tuck my kids in, and they're already so tired that they're seven-eighths of the way asleep. Right? You know that space right before you're gone to the REM cycle, but you're still maybe there. And I'll walk in, and, and I'll say, good night, Sam. Good night, JJ. I love you. And, and I hear back. And these guys are seven eighths away of the sleep. I love you, Daddy. I've said their name, and they recognize it's me because there's an intimacy there. If Mike walked in and whispered the same thing, they would shoot up wide awake and more than likely scream. No offense to Mike. Right? There's an intimacy when someone calls your name. When Jesus speaks to us, there's an intimacy. And that, I would say, is one indicator that it's him. If you're sensing that closeness, if you're sensing that intimacy. Next indicator. We can get a good idea that it's Jesus speaking to us when what he tells us leads to freedom. When what he tells us leads to freedom. This stems out of verse 9. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. They'll come and go freely and will find good pastures. I think a lot of people, many people inside the church as well, think that the only time God speaks to us, he's telling us, don't do this. They think of bondage. They think of of rules, of regulations. Now, there's going to be times where God says, don't do that. But most of the times, God's telling us not to do something because he wants us to be set free. He doesn't want us to be bound anymore. 
I mean, Jesus said, if the truth has set you free, then you are free indeed. I think of it like this. If you've ever been to Medical Lake in the summertime, you know that they have a swimming area, right? It's, it's roped off. It's got buoys on it. You can swim outside the swimming area, but there's risk to it. There's danger that the lifeguards aren't going to watch you out there. But inside this roped off area, there's freedom to swim wherever you want. There's freedom to swim as fast as you want with whomever you want. Those, those boundaries are there to give you freedom, not to bind you. And I think it's the same way when, when Jesus speaks to us. Maybe he's saying, yeah, I, I want to push you back into the boundaries so that you can have a greater freedom. Maybe there's habits or patterns in your life that he's telling you to change. That's just him pushing you back inside the buoys. A couple examples. If you think you hear Jesus saying, go and forgive your friend. Maybe you guys had an argument. You can think down the road a little bit. If I forgive them, I'll be able to let go of the angst I feel every time I think about them. If I forgive them, I'll be able to love them again. If I forgive them, I'll be able to hope for the best in them. Does that sound binding or does that sound freeing? Freeing. If you think you hear Jesus saying, stop looking at these things that you're not supposed to be looking at, think down the road a little bit. If you stop, you won't have to be worried about who's going to walk in behind you and see what you're looking at. You won't have to worry about hiding your internet browsing history. You won't have to cover up the things you've been doing. Does that sound freeing? To not have to worry about those things? Yes. When Jesus speaks, one indicator that it's him is that it leads to freedom. Kind of in that same vein, when Jesus speaks, it doesn't just lead to freedom, it also leads to life. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Life full and rich, not necessarily money, I'm not preaching health and wealth here, but an abundant life. And not just life eternal after you die, but abundant life now. When Jesus is speaking to you, more than likely he's saying, hey, what I'm, I'm pushing you towards is going to fill you up. It's going to bring you great joy. As Jesus was pushing Mike to, to volunteer with the kids, Mike is resisting because it's like, oh, 35 hours a week, I don't want to do another two but Jesus knew that you would enjoy it, right? He knew that it would fill you up. Sometimes the voices that we hear, that maybe the internal self-talk or the external voices from other people are voices of shame, of regret, of confusion. And though God may use those sometimes, if that is all you're hearing, I'm going to argue that it's probably not God speaking to you. It's probably the enemy trying to trap you, to kill you, to destroy you when God speaks you're going to have life, love, joy, peace, patience. In, insert anything else that comes after 1 Corinthians 13. If what you're sensing leads you into a fullness of life, there's a good chance it is God. Now here's where it can be a little bit sticky. There's a lot of good things that we could sense, maybe sense God pushing us towards, and yet maybe he doesn't want us to do those things. Case in point, volunteering in children's ministry. 
We have ample opportunity because our kids' ministry is growing for people to serve. And if you're getting the midweek emails, if you're looking in the bulletin, you know we have opportunity for more people. So perhaps you've been praying, God, should I volunteer in the children's ministry? Well, ask yourself this. When you work with kids, even if you get tired, do you leave rejuvenated? Do you leave filled up? Do you leave excited? Or do you leave grumpy? Not only with the kids you just left, but with your own kids and with the people you meet in the parking lot and with the person who cuts you off in traffic. What brings you life and life abundant? Jesus is going to push towards those things. Okay, recapping so far. I'll be the first to tell you, I can't nail down exactly what it looks like to hear the voice of God, but we have some indicators in this text that it might be Jesus speaking to us. So far we've seen that there's an intimacy when God speaks, that Jesus' voice leads to freedom, and that Jesus' voice leads to life in its fullest. Two more indicators. If you are sensing a nudge, I love that Elizabeth used that phrase. She's downstairs working with our kids right now. But uh, if you feel a nudge to go and talk to somebody like she talked about, especially if it's somebody outside the faith, there's a good chance that that's going to be Jesus. You're thinking, really? Yeah. Because God's voice is very often inviting others. It's inviting others. We see that in verse 16. Jesus said, I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Other sheep, not in the sheepfold. If you've ever been up to my office, you know that I have a great view. It's a corner office with a lot of windows. Great view of the mountains to the west of Spokane. It's also got a great view of our parking lot. And a great view of our basketball court. Ever since the snow melted, somewhere between 12 and 2 on school days, there is a couple of young men that go out there and play basketball. Now you're putting it together, 12 and 2, they should be in school. Yes. Okay. I watched for a while and uh, just enjoyed the fact that they were coming. And, you know, I was, every time they came, super busy. Real busy doing important things like writing dynamic messages that people are going to remember for years and years and years. Yeah. And then one day, I'm doing that. I look out, there they are again, playing basketball. And I get this nudge. Go and talk to them. No, Lord, I'm busy. I'm doing things for you. Go and talk to them. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I figured if I waited long enough, they would leave. They're usually only out there about a half hour. Well, next thing I know, I looked up, and they're starting to go to their car. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Lord, next time. <laughs> next time. Started typing again, looked up, looked out. They're not going anywhere. Their car, their hood is up. Front door is open. All right, Lord. You win this time. So I went out, and I talked to them, introduced myself, gave them a jump, And they were grateful. And I said, hey, maybe next time you're here, I'll come out and say hi again, maybe. Well, they came back the next day, and wouldn't you know it again, James, go talk to them. 
I didn't argue as much this time. Went and talked to them. Talked about life. Talked about where they were at in school, what they're looking forward to, those sorts of things. Good conversation. In fact, I think it was that time that I invited them to Easter. And they kind of looked at me like, really? The next morning I was praying. I was, I was reading the Bible. And again, this little nudge. And the, the phrase, I guess you could say, I think, I think God said to me, ask them for help. What do you mean? Ask them for help. Well, that's weird. Well, wouldn't you know, they came back again that day. So again, I went out and I was talking to them. And I got to the point, I was like, hey, guys, would you help me? And they stopped playing it. Help you what? I said, well, look, yeah, you know I'm the pastor of the church, right? I work there. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We know that. I hang out with a lot of church people. And when you hang out with someone long enough, you just start to think like them. Start to act like them, you start to talk like them. I'm going to make an assumption, guys, that you guys aren't church people, right? (laughs) Right, right, they said, yeah. I said, so I need your help. I need you to help me think like you guys do. Tell me, understand why a pair of young men like you wouldn't be church people. They both told me they, they, they believe in God. So I said, could you help me understand? Oh, man, they just lit up. Yeah, you bet. You bet. I said, all right, next time. Next time. It'll be real low key. I told him, I'm not trying to convert you or anything. I just need your help. Okay, that's good. This last Thursday, they were out there again. James, go talk to them. I got it, Lord. I'm, I'm on my way. In fact, when they drove up, the first thing they did was get out of their car and they waved in my window. <laughs> it was great. I went out there. I was in flip-flops. We chatted for a while. And, and, and the question, I said, hey, remember, you know, I was going to ask you if you'd help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So help me understand this. Tell me what you guys think of church people. Good conversation. They reciprocated. One of them said to me, what do you think of me? Really good, really good conversation. When I, when I got to asking them, so, hey, you, got, you guys, you, you say you believe in God, but you don't really want anything to do with church. Why is that? One of the kids said, well, I am, I am, a, uh, I am drawn to, I become friends with the bad kids. I become friends with the, the kids that are rougher around the edges. And if I was a church person, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I said, let me tell you about a guy named Jesus. You know him? Yeah, we've heard of him. Did you know that Jesus was always getting in trouble by the church people, that he was hanging out with the non-church people, with the bad kids? Really? Did you know that Jesus got a nickname for hanging out with the bad kids? They called him a glutton and a drunkard. The guy seriously stopped mid-dribble. He's like, are you serious? I've never heard that. Are these some of the other sheep that God is calling to his pasture? I don't know. But I have felt a nudge, and we're seeing that if it's God speaking, he is very often inviting to others. One final indicator that what you are hearing may be from God. He's leading the way. If he is speaking to you, he's leading the way. We get this from verse 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice. They come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. He walks ahead of them. 
He leads them. If you think God is telling you to do something, if you think he's pushing you in a certain direction, here's a novel idea. Take a step towards that direction and see what happens. Because if it's Jesus that's leading you there, he's going to continue to lead the way. He's going to continue to lead the way. I told you at the beginning of the service um, that we had been praying for God's vision for our church. And we'd really wanted to know if it was from God. And we had come down on that phrase to be church for our neighbors. Again, we'll unpack that all later. But we, we wondered, okay, Jesus, is this from you? And we, we were pretty sure that it was. Well, if he's leading the way, then something's got to happen. And I tell you what, in the last two or three months, it has happened. I have not knocked on any single door, and yet midwinter, I met Ryan across the street, helped shovel a snow berm. Never met him before. I've reconnected with Jane and CJ over there. I met Dave Kelly, who lives three houses down that way because somebody broke into our shed, and he happened to be there filming the whole thing. Got to meet a neighbor. I got to meet, re-meet Alex, who's playing in our parking lot with his grandson, playing street hockey. None of these times am I out knocking on doors, but you, great view. You look out, there's people. You drive up, there's people. James, go talk to him. Go talk to him. Each of these times, I'm telling him about some things we're, some, some things we're hoping to do this summer, you know, uh, some regular barbecues and a chance to get to know the neighbors in the neighborhood, and they're, they're thrilled by it. They, they don't know their neighbors, and they want to do that. And I'm starting to think, huh, to be church for our neighbors, Jesus, are you leading the way? This last week, this is, this is totally a God thing. Again, was, uh, was working and looked out, and there's a young father. He's got two kids. They're playing in the parking lot. I don't even have to wait for that nudge anymore. I just know God's going to say, go, go. So I went out, and I was talking to the guy. His name is Shane. Neat guy. Very engaging. We talked about his two kids. We talked about where he worked. Well, it turns out he's having hernia surgery the next day. And he's on L&I. It's like, oh, man, hey, I'll, I'll, we'll pray for you. Hey, thanks, I appreciate that. You know, not, doesn't, uh, doesn't have any affiliation with the church, doesn't really go. Went inside, was telling Heather about this, and uh, we thought, huh, how can we be a neighbor to him? The next morning on the way into church, Heather grabbed two Papa Murphy's pizzas and a get-well card. I wrote a little note in the get-well card. I saw the guy's sister was leaving the house, took the pizzas over. He's having surgery. Pizzas were there when they got home. Wouldn't you know it? I was late. I was there later, here later than I normally am on a Thursday, and a car door opens, and a woman I didn't recognize with a little girl who I had seen in the parking lot the day before gets out, and she comes in and says, I cannot tell you how thankful I am for that. It was, it was, it was his wife, longtime seven-year girlfriend. I'm going to call his wife. I did not want to come home and cook and got home and there was two pizzas. Thank you so much. And I was able to tell her, look, if there's anything else we can do, let us know. I know that Shane won't be able to lift for six weeks. Can we mow your yard? Can we take out your trash? Just let us know. A couple days later, I went over just to check on him, see how he was doing. And I expected a two, three-minute conversation on the, on the porch, him in the door and me on the porch. And it wasn't any of that. It was, James, come in, come in, come into my house. It takes a lot to be invited into somebody's castle, into somebody's domain. But we've become church to our neighbor. Jesus is leading the way, not just with that story, but with so many other stories. And we haven't even started knocking on any doors yet. 
Was that God's phrase that he gave us? I've got to believe yes. He's leading the way. Indicators that it's Jesus talking to us. He's leading the way. He's inviting others. His voice leads to life. His voice leads to freedom. And there's intimacy in the conversation. I hope you don't leave today with, Pastor James told me exactly what God's voice was going to sound like. Because I haven't told you that. But I've told you a few of the ways that we might be able to tell if it is God's voice. This list isn't exhaustive. It's not the end all be all, but it's what we can pull from this. My prayer today is that when you leave here, you will go with an urgency to listen to the voice of God. You're hearing from people in our church who are hearing God speak somehow. So they could stand up and say, God spoke to me. Man, last week in church, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus spoke to me. He told me. And I want us to be able to do that regularly. So here's my practical take home. Take the little sermon outline that you've been filling out, that you've been filling in the blanks. Stick that in your, in your dresser drawer. Stick it in the place where you read your Bible regularly. And if you, next time, if you sense that God may be telling you something, pull that out. Say, huh, does it fit? And then you can finish off with Jesus. Is that you talking? More than likely, if it is, he'll respond. Wouldn't that be great to hear the voice of God on a regular basis? That's what I want. I tell you what, I want what we've been praying for. I want to recognize his voice. I want to know his voice. I want to listen to his voice. Amen. That's all I got. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that we can know your voice that we can listen to your voice, that we can obey your voice. And I pray that you would help us do that. God, we live in a world where there are voices constantly uh, attacking us. Uh, They're all over the place. And we need the help to be able to discern what is from you and what is not. I pray, Lord, that we would be purposeful in growing our relationship with you so that we would know out of an intimacy that it's you that's talking. And I ask, Lord, that as you do, we would be led to freedom, to life, to other people who don't know you. And, Lord, we look forward to how you're going to lead the way in each of our lives and in the lives of our corporate church as we seek to listen to you. We're your people. We are your sheep. And we will follow you. And we will listen to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.